Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Are You Really Living podcast. Today's guest is Rode LeBranche. Ms. LeBranche is an elementary education teacher who is certified in K-6. She has been teaching for the last eight years. She has taught every grade in the elementary level except for sixth grade. She is a believer of motivating students to strive to do their best. She has a passion for teaching because she can be a role model to her students and watch them succeed and grow as individuals. She obtained her bachelor's degree in elementary education at Florida International University. Let's welcome our host, Mr. Enrio Longchamp, and our guest, Rode LeBranche. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Are You Really Living? Today's guest is Ms. Rode LeBranche. She's a teacher in our community. To be exact, she's an elementary school teacher. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background as an elementary school teacher? Originally, I wanted to be a nurse. I was pushed by my mom. You know how it is in the Haitian community. Um, Went to school, started off in college with that. That didn't work out. And I knew the next step was for me to go into education. So I did two years in Miami-Dade. And then I transferred to um, FIU where I did another two years. And I received my bachelor's in education, K through six. This year has made me eight years in education. Now, eight years, eight years, not eight days or eight months. Obviously, you enjoy what you do. Yes, I do. And you love it. What inspired you to stay in it? Seeing myself as a role model for my students. You know, I've had students that came up to me that said, you know, their former teacher said they weren't going to be anything or, or they don't know anything or they're not smart enough. And um, that motivated me to motivate them. Good thing about being a teacher as well is at the end of the year, you can see your students grow. You can see all the hard work that you put into that student because they can come in as a low student. And then as the time go on, they make gains. And that makes me makes me very proud. You know, that I did my job. For people that don't know, the FCAT is no longer part of the curriculum. What has replaced the FCAT and what are the requirements now? So um, after the FCAT, um, they replaced the test with um, something called FSA, Florida State Assessment. Um, that is no longer in use anymore. And I think as of last school year, it's now called the um the FAST test. I'm not sure all the grades that get tested on it, but I know for the grade that I'm currently in fifth grade, the students are tested on reading, reading, writing, uh, math, and science. I think they what? start in, I, I believe I'm not, because it's new, I'm not sure like which grades, you know, get tested on it, but I only know about the grades that I'm teaching. But when you were, when you first started, the FCAT was still around? No, it was, it was the FSA, I believe. It was another test called F. It was a test called FSA. Now, what are students are saying about those tests? Um, because when I remember when the FCAT was around, a lot of teachers were complaining that they were actually teaching to the test. They weren't actually teaching yes. students. So do you see an improvement now? Honestly, um, not really. Um, I still feel like we're teaching to the test. Um, one thing I can say about the district that I work in, that they do provide resources for us to teach the students. Um, but however, it's it's not like how when I was in school, how we were able to learn certain things um, at, at our own pace. Now it's just, you know, everything is rushed. Um, and I don't think that a lot of the students are grasping what they're learning. Now we have to talk about the pandemic. Yes. How were you able to, how did you navigate this situation during, I believe, a year and a half 
Um, how were you able to interact with your students? Walk us through that. Okay, so when the pandemic first um, happened, um, automatically, obviously, you know, nobody knew what to do. Um, so we automatically had to um, teach through Zoom. We had to learn, as teachers, we had to learn very, very quickly. Um, we, we didn't get any training on any online resources as to how to teach online, but um, we were able to manage. Um, it did seem like we were teaching the whole day because parents were also confused as to what, you know, what we were teaching and how we were teaching it. But I was able to navigate very well. Um, my school at the time did provide me with the resources that I needed, uh, I, I must say. But it was very challenging, very, very challenging especially because I had two classes and we, you know, we had to collaborate, um, my team and I, as to how we were going to teach and make sure that the students get the proper um, tools and lessons that they needed to pass. Them. But at that time, do you believe that the school board really helped out to support the teachers or was there more that needed to be done? Um, I believe, well, from my experience, I believe that they helped up help out as much as they can because a lot of the students who did not have laptops, the schools, they provide the laptops for them. They provide access to internet. You know, they, they provided resources as well. That's from my experience. I mean, I heard from other teacher experience, it probably wasn't that great, but for mine, it was, it was pretty. Again, it was challenging. And when do you, you recall when the decision was made in terms of, okay, we going fully Zoom and when the decision was made, okay, we got to get back in class. So that is from what I remembered. Um, so we we got out of school around March, and I think it was about because you again we didn't know if if we were returning or you know we didn't really know what was going on. So I think it took about two weeks, and then we were told that we would have to teach um via Zoom um or Teams. That's what it was. It was another app called Teams. Um, but um even like the it was very again it was very challenging because you know the parents weren't accustomed to that app even the kid, the kids. So it's basically within those last few months of school, we had to train ourselves, learn the online resources and the online platform, and then teach it to the students and their, and their parents. Okay. I, I know it was very challenging for teachers. And uh, I commend you guys for learning so quickly and coming out to help out those students. Because at that time, I remember nobody really knew what was going on, what was going to happen. Yeah. And it felt like there was no leader from my perspective. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. Kudos to you and your team for, you. for helping out, for helping out. Now, how do you create a positive environment for your students? Um, so for me, I, I set the tone from the first day. I let the, my, my students know my class expectations. I never call my, my um, expectation rules. I like to call them expectations so that they know what they're expected to do. And then I, I love to provide an environment of motivation. Um, actually, currently in my classroom, I have a mirror and around the mirror, it's words of affirmations. So if one of my students feeling down that day, they can affirm themselves going to the mirror saying, I am beautiful. I am not a failure, you know, so on and so forth. So I, I often, not often, I'm always encouraging my students, motivating them to do better. Because um, I know when I was a student in school, um, I didn't get that a lot. Um, so I wanted to return that favor. And I, and I also wanted to make sure too, that I was very, um, impressionable upon my students that they will know that they at least had one teacher that pushed them to do better. You know, um, I always told myself, I always want to make a difference in my students. And you are doing that. I think yeah. you're doing that daily. What about, how do you manage cell phones in the classroom? 
Is that an issue for you? I mean, at the moment, no. Again, that tone is set on the first date. So as a teacher, if you don't set that tone like, hey, these are my expectations, um, and then not only just setting those expectation, expectations, excuse me, but modeling that as well. Um, so if the students see me on my phone all the time, guess what they're going to do? They're going to want to be on their phone and they're going to make an argument like, hey, I always see on your phone while we can't be on our phone. Um, another um, thing I implement in my class is I have a charging station. Um, and then, you know, I tell the students, hey, you want to charge your phone? And they need they forget that the phone is in the charging station. So they need their phone there. So that encourages them not to be on their phone. Also, um, I've noticed with other teachers, you know, a lot of the classes are very boring. Because me as my as a student, I used to get bored a lot. So what I try to do is try to keep the class engaged as much as I can. And that prevents that. That's another way that prevents them from being on their phone. That's a good idea. The reason I brought up this question is because I was watching the news the other day and there was mm -hmm. a school, I believe it's Anna, and over in Alabama, where okay. they're implementing this rule where students are have to put their cell phone in a bag, uh, in a seal bag, you know, when you go to okay. a, uh, like, like a theater or, or Ziploc bag, not a okay. Ziploc bag, but it's, it's designed to keep the phone in during the school, the school day and they okay. can't take it out. It's like locked in. So that's what the school, that school district is doing is they putting their, the students phones in that bag It's locked away throughout the school uh, hour. And they get it after, so they'll be able to open the bag essentially after. So who who is um who is holding on to the bag? Is it the teachers the or students, the students? Oh. As they come in during the day, they are provided that Ziploc bag, and then okay. they place their phones in it, and it's locked, and they can't open it until after school hours. Someone has the key to that. It's actually not a key; it's a magnet. They have magnets. It's a magnet. Yeah, it's a magnet throughout the school. And then you just tap the bag on the magnet and then it unlocks it. Oh, okay. That's cool. Okay. I, I have not heard anything about that yet, but I'm um, pretty sure they're going to bring it. They're going to implement in the yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a cool idea. Okay. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, Because I just feel like sometimes um, it's a good idea. Yes. But then it's not a good idea because again, it's a distraction. Sometimes I, I do admit that. In the past, I've had let, I let the students use their phone only to um, like if we're doing like a educational game or something and they can access the app through their phone. That's the only time. I uh, can you share with us a memorable moment experience you had as a teacher? I have several. Like the top two? Um, OK, so about a year and a half ago, I had a student. He was an Hispanic student. He came from a different country. Um, I don't remember where exactly, but it was during um teacher appreciation week and he came up to me he wrote me a little card and he said you know I did not like math until you started teaching it and that hit me like I was like wow because a lot of times as teachers it's not easy to get up there and teach because you have to teach to where the student understands what you're teaching and if they don't understand what you're teaching you have to come up with a different strategy another method to teach them to understand the lesson but when he said that, like, I literally was in shock like, the whole day. And then I had another student last school year who, you know, she told me she was like, she she felt dumb until I became her teacher because the teacher that she had last year didn't really put in the effort into making sure that she learns the material or understand what she's learning. So you could tell when, I, when she first got in my class, she was very uninterested in learning. And then as I, like, I, I implement stuff. Like, I do small group. You know, I teach in a whole group instruction that I do small group, um, which is more, you know, 
personal one-on-one or like a group setting. And I just drill that motivation. That's another thing that you have to affirm these kids because they don't get it at home. They don't get it from other, you know, family members, you know, and we as teachers, we're like with these kids at least, you know, basically most of the day. So we're basically their teacher, their parent, their counselor, um, and we have to, you know, motivate them and, you know, uh, give them confidence, you know, but those were the two most memorable. For a parent right now that's listening to you mm-hmm. and doesn't understand the difference between charter school and public school, what would you say to that parent? So charter school is also a public school, but it's a school of choice. So you don't have to live in the vicinity of the school to go to that school. So if you wanted to go to a charter school in Sunrise and you lived in Hollywood, you can't. However, if you wanted to go to your neighborhood school and you lived in Sunrise, but the neighboring the school is in Hollywood, you can't go there. Can't go there because it has to be in the vicinity. Um, it is it is a little different. Um, because they don't always go by the district's schedule. I like I always tell parents do your research on the school. Um, because that is very important. Charter is not. This might sound bad. Charter is not always good. Do your research. Could you elaborate on something that is not particularly fun when it comes to uh, charter? From my experience, um, a lot of the charter schools have a lot of teacher tur- turnovers, which mean that um, teachers do not stay at the school. Because um, I remember when I was growing up, you know, I had teachers in at the same school for, you know, 20, 30 years. You go to a charter school now that has a lot of teacher turnovers, a lot of teachers are quit, or whether it's at the end of the year or mid-year. And then that really affects your child, you know, especially when mid-year, because now they're stuck fighting a teacher, and then your 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 child is missing instruction. So in other words, basically what you're saying is if you notice that the school has a high uh, turnover when it comes to teachers to basically, you know, double check and not just double check and also, um, you know, check with the curriculum. You know, you as a parent, like you as a parent have rights. Check with your child teachers, ask questions. What are they doing in the classroom? It is a tough job um, and it is tough managing several students at one time. But, you know, if you're one of those teachers that are organized and also you have the support of a parent, it really helps a lot. A lot. What would you like a parent that's hearing you right now? That's the, their kids is not in your class. But what are you, your expectations from a parent as a teacher? My number one expectation is support. Again, uh, this is you know this is my eight year teaching. Um, I I have not always had support from the parent, and a lot of times parents don't you know, and it's not every parent because I had parents that were like on top of things, and it shows because you know this, and you could tell by the students' academics. Those a lot of times the students who are low, the parents barely show up to the conferences. I barely had any type of communication with them, or even if they did schedule a conference, they would not show up or ask questions. And then who suffers? The child. Um, and a lot of parents like to blame the teacher, which is not um, which is not always which is not always the case. So I would say more parent support because it does help a lot. I know that COVID did a. Uh, how would I say it? It, it um, pushed a lot of students back by two years because a lot of the students had to get instruction through Zoom and there was nobody monitoring them at home. So it pushed them back at least two grades and a lot of parents had to work. But as a parent, I would say at least 30 minutes every night. Hey, what's, what did you learn in class today? Let me see your homework. Let me check it. That would help, you know, um, because then you would, I would be holding the child accountable and you as a parent would be holding the child accountable. Because that, that helps you as well. Not only helps you, it helps the, the child as well. 
Yes. And also with that, also, I, I want to add something too. Um, it also helps with the behavior in the classroom. A lot of, uh, a lot of people are blaming the teachers for classroom management, you know, lack of classroom management. I mean, um, but it, a lot of times it's the way the parent is parenting that child. So if they are, if they could get away with things at home, they feel like they can come to school and get away with it. And I feel like it's not fair to the teacher. You know, because um, I, I found that a lot of my students, they lack structure at home. So when they come in the classroom, they they exhibit that same behavior. So if you're not parenting your child, us as teachers, we see it. If you are, we see it and we experience it. But yeah, I say more to more parentals. How do you handle discipline in terms of a, a child is misbehaving in class? What do you do? Yes, there is protocol. Um, So what I do is I try to learn my, because a lot of times the behavior is attached to something that's going on at home. A lot of, um, it could be lack of attention because, um, you know, I have students that have several siblings and they're probably the middle child or youngest and, or the oldest rather. And the parent is more focused on the younger siblings than the older ones. It could be, you know, um, had students that were in foster care, you know, that living environment was tough for them. So they, they come to school and they act out because that's their way of crying out for help. So what I do is I learn them. I speak to them. I have a, I, I relate, I try to relate to my students as much as possible. And I find that that reduces the behavior a lot talking to them, knowing how to speak to them, you know, motivating them. Um, you know, I'm not saying being their friend because, you know, I, I'm not, I'm a teacher. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm not friends with my students, but I try to be that, I don't want to say parent, like, like that person that they can, you know, go to for help or, you know, that safe place. You, you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. In other words, they're mentored. They look at you yeah, as like, a mentor. Be a mentor to them because a lot of times these kids eat it. They don't get it at home and they need it. And I'm telling you, like, that helps with the behavior. I had this one student one year. No teacher couldn't stand him in their class. And when he would come to my class, he was right because, you know, I spoke to him. I spoke life into him. I, I gave him words of affirmation and he saw me as somebody that actually cares about him. Now, the other teachers he was giving a hard time, they did show that they didn't care. They, you know, they all, they were constantly wanting him out, out of, you know, their class, but he would always find my class as a safe space. So that, that helps a lot with the I mean, a few years from now, we're definitely going to see some of your students uh, running for office. You know, I hope so. <laughs> in Congress and Senate. I hope so. The White House. I've even, I've even encouraged them, you know, hey, if you remember me, invite me to your high school graduation. I will come. I will come. Or your college graduation or even your wedding. I would come. Now, okay. let's talk about yourself in terms of adventures. What have you done lately that is very adventurous that you will consider fun in terms of traveling or, oh gosh. you know, jet skiing, something that people don't do every day? Honestly, I haven't. I haven't been doing anything. Um, I'm actually in a season now where I'm learning how to take care of myself because I'm so used to taking care of everyone around me and, you know, not doing things for us. So I haven't done it in a while. I did start ro um, roller skating again. I don't know. That counts. That counts. <laughs> I, haven't got, that counts. I haven't gone zip lining or, you know, jet skiing in a long time. It's been a while. You know what? Remind me. My next uh, break from work, I need to do something like that. Okay, you know, kayaking, you know, yeah, to get outdoors. I haven't done those things in the solar. Oh my god! Now let's talk about HSO really quickly. <laughs> you know, you and I we travel with many yes. old friends to. I believe we went to DC. Yes, we did New Orleans. We went to New Orleans. Uh, between those two trips, uh, what what did you learn prior? 
to that. You were not really into the compas scene, you know. No, I was not. So can we can you talk about, you know, what did you learn and how you embraced compa after that? Speaking of compa, I really learned how to dance compa. Like I mastered it. Um just learning from, you know, my HSO um team members. Um what I also learned by going on these trips was to learn how to network because I was always shy growing up. I didn't, you know, I was kind of awkward in social settings. I mean, it doesn't seem like it now, but you know, that was me back in the days. But um, it really taught me how to network, how to speak to people, how to, you know, um, when we had attended the conference, I learned from those people how to be a leader. That was another thing, how to be a leader, how to conduct meetings um, because we were part of the um, e-board of HSO. So I, I learned a lot. And then meeting a lot of people, it really helped because, um, you know, now I still keep in contact with some of these people. Yeah, those were the years, you know. Yeah. They, they were the years in terms of the, the friends we made at that stage. The real one are still here. We're talking about, what, eight years later? Yeah. Um, oh, my God, it's been that long? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, the real one are still there. They're still around. You know, there are some yeah. people that I, I can pick up the phone at any time. I need assistance with anything, you know, I know those those people will help out. Yeah. Yeah. And that those that's relationships were still think about those days. Like I'm like, man, we had a good like I really had a good college career. I really had the best thing is I got the, the best thing is I got out of my comfort zone because I was this close to not joining HSO. But I'm so glad when they had the um the student club fair that day, I was like, Man, I have to join an organization and I and I don't regret it. I don't regret it. As we are closing, in terms of, uh, we want to say thank you for stopping by, but especially being a teacher, I know it's not an easy job and it's because you're passionate about it and you enjoy it. That's why you're in it. Honestly speaking, me personally, I would not be able to be a teacher. (laughs) I hear that that a lot. (laughs) I can't. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Oh, welcome. Thank you for having me. I mean, I mean, I feel honored. You want to be on this show you know, yeah. and I'm happy to support. So, so when, when uh, um, do you do tutoring? If anybody listening that wanted to reach out uh, in terms of tutoring, I don't do tutoring anymore. I know a couple of people that do, um, but also uh, I know a lot of schools offer it. So, you know, check that out at your child's. You got it. You got it. With that being said, thank you for stopping up by Are You Really Living? And thank you again for all your hard work and the school you, system. And uh, we'll talk soon. All righty. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Are You Really Living podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us on social media. We would love to hear from you. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep growing. And most importantly, keep living your best life. Please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.